Third Shift presents The Imposter's Guide to Gaming, your quick fix for gaming news. Now, here are your hosts, Eric and Matt. Welcome, everybody, to a wonderful episode of IG2G. This is episode 52. With you tonight is the inglorious Bajambo himself, Mr. Matt, and of course, your speaker, Eric. The boring, sad, banana face Eric. That's true. If you guys, hey, you know what? The episode won't be boring. Mr. Eric is boring. Because tonight, we got all sorts of great things for you. Do you like freakers? Well, we might be talking a little bit about that. Do you like ninja people with katanas? Do you like gods who have triggers? I don't know. Something in there might relate. I I have no idea. And a whole (laughs) bunch of other mess for you to check out. So stay tuned, everybody. Number five. So first up on the releases this week, it's a game I can't really talk too much about because this game is all about what you make of it or what you make with it. I'm talking about the early access version of Dreams, which is developed by Media Molecule. If you don't know what Dreams is, I believe I talked about it on either a Third Shift or IG2G. It was a game I was pretty excited about from one of the, you know, one of the big shows, TGS or friggin' E3, one of those. But this dropped on the 16th of April for 30 bucks, and this is the latest Media Molecule game. Who are they? They're the guys behind Little Big Planet and Tear Away. So this is their latest big creation suite. And the early access version is pretty cool because everything you make in it, you can carry over to the full version of Dreams. Getting in on the early access version gives you the full version later when that does come out. Not sure exactly what that release date is. So if you like making your own content, if you like making your own games, this is obviously going to be something you're into. If you were into Little Big Planet, you're obviously going to like this. I'm not a big creation suite guy, so but I was watching some videos of stuff that came, you know, that people made during this early access version, and some of it, you know, it's kind of what you would expect, cutesy graphics, silly stuff, you know, stuff that didn't really have a point what these people made, but then there was a lot of stuff where the graphics were phenomenal or the lighting was really good i'm kind of surprised at the jump that we've gone through from something like little big planet which was mostly i mean 3d graphics but on a 2d plane from what i saw for the most part to something like this where like there was a first person shooter type of game that somebody designed with not photorealistic but really realistic graphics i mean stuff i would not have expected from dreams and then you know third person action games third person platformers racing games silly stuff all kinds of stuff you can make in dreams so if you like making games if you like creating stuff sharing it with the world this is going to be the game for you you're going to want to jump in on this like i said i've seen stuff that goes from total jank to total swank and if you're if you're anywhere in that rage right there you're going to want to jump on dreams i heard that they're They were releasing the early access in, quote, limited numbers. I'm not sure exactly where that's at now since we're, well, almost two weeks from that launch date. So hopefully if you're interested in it and hearing this for the first time, you can jump in and still get your hands on Dreams. Number four. First up for me is a wonderful game that I'm actually going to be playing as of this evening, and I can't wait. It is called Days Gone. It was published by Sony Interactive Entertainment and developed by SIE Ben Studios. So, this particular title is about the post-apocalyptic environment in which Deacon, a former biker, bad, bad man, pajama kind of guy, survives 
his wife, of course, and a buddy of his survive this huge pandemic in which everyone, well, everyone, a bunch of people are wiped out. They get a whole bunch of others turned into like these weird zombie-like things they call freakers in the game. You try to save your wife, send her on a helicopter. Years go by, the game begins. You assume your wife's dead, and now you're with your buddy Boozer traveling around on your wonderful motorcycles, which, by the way, are like your steeds. You will upgrade them in the game. You'll do all sorts of cool stuff with them. But anywho, you travel around from town to town, encampment to encampment, finding jobs, getting resources, killing freakers, killing humans, doing all sorts of cool stuff. It's a third-person view type of game. So you'll be controlling Deacon, doing all sorts of cool side missions, going from town to town, as I said, accepting stuff like saving uh, people that have been captured by the Reapers, these individual like looter, outlaw bad guys. And, of course, I'm sure the story will evolve. You'll find out new hints and clues, this and that. You're going to be fighting tons of tons of freakers. They've got all sorts of different kinds. They've got little baby kinds, big and fat ones, normal ones, horde ones. Uh, then, of course, the reapers, the bad guys, the outlaws. You also get plagued animals like bears and wolves. So if you want to have like this open map sort of game where you're cruising around on your motorcycle, taking care of business, doing all sorts of missions and side quests to level yourself up, and then, of course, get to some point that we don't really know because, hey, it's a story that we don't know about, eh? Huh? Huh? I don't know. There you go. I'd say check it out. I will say this. From what the reviews say, it's all in the middle ground. There's some people who say they really enjoyed it. Some people say that it's like a 40-hour game and it should have only been like a 20-hour game. So take it with a grain of salt. It looks pretty good fun to me, so I'm definitely going to be diving in tonight, and I'm sure I'll be talking to you guys more about this one in the future once I beat it. So stay the heck tuned. Number three. Next up in the releases, we got God's Trigger, launching on the 18th of April for 15 bucks for PC, PS4, and Xbox One, developed by One More Level and published by Techland Publishing. What is this? Hey, you remember a few IG2Gs ago when I did the If You Liked Hotline Miami special? I did like a two-pack of games on this. Hey, throw this one in there too, because if you look at it, it looks... Well, I can't say it looks just like Hotline Miami, because that looks like nothing else in the world. But this is a top-down, overhead, busting through doors and killing stuff kind of game. It's basically the story of this game. Armageddon is happening. You're playing as an angel and a demon, and or or a demon, get back into that in just a second, and you're trying to stop Armageddon from happening. So you're busting through all these levels, going through warehouses, doors, killing, you know, kill, killing stuff, killing bad dudes, and it's got those one-hit deaths that Hotline Miami made famous. You're, you know, you're picking up all kinds of guns, you got skill trees, you got abilities you can unlock, so it's a little deeper than just Hotline Miami, where it was Bust in the door, grab whatever weapons you can. I think, though, Hotline Miami did have a mask system that allowed you to get a specific skill per level, depending on what mask you wore. But in this game, you're controlling two or or one. Again, I'll get back to that in a second. Two characters with their own unique skill trees. And you can unlock weapons, power up weapons, power up your skills. You get cool skills, like one of the characters can turn invisible. One can mind control other enemies, so you can like lock onto five enemies, and they all shoot each other until maybe only one is standing. I've seen time slowdowns, all kinds of cool stuff. So if you like the frenetic energy of Hotline Miami, you're probably going to like this one too. But one thing that this game has over Hotline Miami is you can actually play couch co-op with a buddy. So when you, if you're in single-player mode, you're swapping between each of those characters at will, and you're going to want to swap between them because you can level them both up, get their skills up, all that good stuff. But if you're playing couch co-op with a buddy, 
you're playing the demon, he's playing the angel. Oh man, oh man, that'd be so cool. You could coordinate your raids on a certain room. Like maybe he busts in this door, someone turns to look at him, so you bust in the other door to take him out from behind because there's stealth kills in this game. There's all kinds of cool stuff. Man, just just the thought of couch co-op in that with these intense like raids on buildings and different rooms and stuff, that sounds freaking awesome. I, I, I'm not even trying to sell you on it, but just talking about it right now made me go, wow, that's really cool. So if that made you go, wow, that's really cool, pick up God's Trigger. It's only 15 bucks. You'll have a blast with it. Number two. And you know, it wouldn't be an IG2G if I didn't have a Nintendo Switch title for you. And I've got a good one. This one, I didn't really even think about. I wasn't even going to pay attention to it whatsoever. But on a whim, I said, you know what? I sort of enjoyed the SteamWorld Dig 2. So what's this one all about? It is... Dun, 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 Steam World Quest. Hand of Gilgamesh. It's for the Nintendo Switch exclusively right now. I'm sure it'll come to others later. But right now, only for the Switch, released April 25th, 2019, so it is out in the markets right now. It's published by Thunderful Publishing AB and developed by Image Inform International. And this game is a card-based RPG. So, you know, you've heard Matt talking a lot about Throne Breaker. This is similar, but not similar, because this one is way more on the side of a side-scrolling traditional old-school RPG. It's got the beautiful uh, sprite-like graphics, sort of. Think of uh, Miramasa and those type of games. Really gorgeous. All the characters are very well-drawn, very uh, different, you know, very neat and unique. So, basically, in a nutshell, you're a bunch of mechs, machines, who get tasked with defeating this evil, corruption, bad guy and his armies who are trying to take over and destroy everything, you got to stop them. It's a typical story. You know the deal. But what makes this one really neat is that you get these five characters, and of course you get your mage, you get your warrior types, and you get cards through boss fights, through buying, trading, all this other stuff that you can design around your character and build them into be like a shield-bearing a warrior, more of a melee attack kind of warrior, defensive shield, you know, this or that, whatever. And then mages, you know, you can go your frost, your poisons, your fire, uh, you can go support magic, all that. You So you build these decks based off what you want your characters to be, and then you stick them in your hand, and then each battle it takes from your deck and builds you a hand that you get to utilize in that battle. So if you're if you put all the ice magic in your hand... I mean, in your deck, then of course it's going to pull those, and that's what you're going to be utilizing for that battle. And of course, if you find out they're immune, you can switch it up. So then you can start switching, putting up these different decks and stuff, and then going at it. And I thought that was really cool. And how they use it is there's like weak cards that do base damage, but then they build your steam meter. And then of course, these power cards that use the steam, but of course, you know, at the cost. So you got to do weak moves to build up your power moves. They've got chain combos with these cards that you can utilize. And, of course, different bosses have different immunities as in any other RPG out there. So it's really neat because it just takes a traditional RPG, but since you have the cards that you get, you can build into so many different things. It's like basically having a very extensive skill tree at your disposal, except for it's in card form and gives you a lot more options and easier, easier I think, just to kind of whittle through and change some in, change some out. Really cool looking game. It looks gorgeous. The previous titles weren't RPGs, but they were incredible games nonetheless. I like where they've gone. The game's only $24.99, I believe, uh, at the Switch store. I would recommend everybody 
look at this one, and pick it up if you're a fan of RPGs or card-based games. Number one. So last up on the releases this week, it's another one of those games that I told you is kind of Hotline Miami-like. This is the one that I've actually talked about. It's Katana Zero, out now for PC and Switch. This dropped also on the 18th of April for 15 bucks. developed by ASCIISoft, published by Devolver Digital. If you want to know about it, just listen to the other IG2G where I talked about it. No, I'm just kidding. This is a really stylish, kind of like retro, like neo-noir samurai assassin game. What's catching my eye this time now that it's out is I'm hearing more about the presentation and the the narrative aspect of it, which, you know, the weird stuff like that, that's totally up my alley. But if you want to know the gameplay, stylish, killing, one-hit kills, fast action, meaty attacks, like when you hit somebody with your sword, it goes like and you see them fly, and there's a big old blood spray. You really got to watch it in action and, and listen to it. You got to listen to the sound of it to get the, the total feel and the total rush that it, that it gives me just watching it. You can slow down time. You can deflect bullets. Now, what, what's cool is in the initial launch trailer, now, see, now I'm geeking out about it, even the action stuff, but in the launch trailer, there's a lot of scenes where you know they go into the time slow mechanic and he deflects a bullet. But what's cool is you can do that in real time, if you're good enough. That's what a lot of the reviews I've, I've been seeing say. You can go into the slowdown mechanic, deflect that bullet, but if you get good enough with the timing, because it's like, it's like a split second between like the of the muzzle, you know, of him shooting the gun and the bullet hitting you. So if you're, and you can get your sword out just in that split second, you can deflect it back at him in real time. I've seen video of it. It looks badass i can only imagine how cool it must feel to do it in real time but now getting back to the presentation part which i didn't know anything about although i guess there were a couple hints here and there but now hearing about it specifically now that it's out basically i think in the story you're obviously you're an assassin we got we got to that but you're also a user of a drug that lets you like see into the future gives you like precog powers so each level that you do you're playing through a precog run of what you're about to do. So if it doesn't make sense, like think of it like Prince of Persia Sands of Time, except totally reversed. Because in that game, you know, you'd you'd run and fight, and if you died or fell off a ledge or something, the prince would go, wait, 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 that's not right. That's not what I did, because he's telling the story of it. Here now, you're planning the mission, and as you're going through and die, you get a screen that goes, no, no, that won't work. And then it rewinds you back to the beginning, and you start that level over again. So you're, it's like you're pre-building what you're going to do by you the player doing it and then once you complete the mission it shows you like the cctv feed of your actual run and every single thing you did along the way up through like it shows your perfect run that you did and you you made that happen by doing it by getting better by using your abilities by you know mastering the layouts of these rooms and doing all this cool stuff it's so cool i mean i've seen stealth gameplay i've seen action gameplay all kinds of cool stuff like that and then getting into the narrative segment, I didn't know there were like dialogue trees and actual conversations you can have. Another cool thing is like the conversations are all timing based. It's it's hard to it's hard to understand, but from what I've seen in the trailer, like you have a like negative reaction window after somebody asks you a question or like while their question is scrolling across the screen in text, if you hit your response or any kind of response in that like 
negative window while they're talking, you actually literally interrupt them and then they respond to you because you, you know, in a different way because you interrupted what they were saying instead of waiting and responding like a normal human. You just go boom, boom, boom. You can like bull your way through this conversation, just like cut people off. I've seen a little like 10 second gameplay loop. I think it was of. You know, whoever was doing the review said, you know, oh, maybe you're replaying the scene or whatever, but you just, you know, if you're just pressing that X button to get through the conversation, the person on the other end is going to think, you know, you're basically hanging up the phone on him every time he tries to tell you something and he gets madder and madder and madder and his text gets like red and jumbled all across the screen. I've seen stuff where you're like at a reception desk and you're super rude to the lady. She's like, whatever, I don't need to deal with this right now. You can get lost and doesn't give you whatever kind of info you could get out of her. Now, the bad point is I've heard that, you know, some of the conversations kind of all lead to the same same end point. So, you know, your different choices maybe may not mean all that much in the long run, but just the being able to cut people off and just literally be rude to them in the game, I thought was pretty awesome and a weird thing to add into this wild hack and slash insta-death, like stylish action, hack them up weird hot line Miami type of game. So if any of that sounds good to you, it should. Just just go watch some gameplay of it. Watch some trailers. You will probably fall in love with this if you like fast action, if you like stylish action, if you like just being rude to people. If you like being rude to people in conversations, you're going to love this game because you can do it. It's Katana Zero. Imposter's topic of the day. So I thought today, Matt, we 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 talk about it in real life all the time, but we never really go about talking about it on the show. That's true. So I figure this is our kind of little improper proper McChopper discussion on VR, where it's at right now, why neither of us are into it or buying mm-hmm. into it, where it's going in the short distant future, and where we'd like it to go to where it would actually get you or me or both of us to purchase it. Mm-hmm. So with that, let's start where it is right now. You know, why we're not getting it, why, you know, what's the good and bad about it? Well, I, I think for me personally, I was thinking about it, you know, when we talked about doing this, and I was like, well, what do I think about VR right now? And I think this is the, the time and the point where when you say it's a VR game, people don't just go, huh, whatever. But it's also not at that point where you go, oh, yeah, I can't wait to play it with my setup. Like, like a few years ago when Oculus first launched, that was the, all right, we're, we're, this is the first baby step up. Now VR is like somewhat respectable because it's come around and it's, you know, developed and evolved into, you know, these unique experiences that you can have in VR now. But it's still just not that, like, it's not every day. But I think this is that second step. And the next step, whatever that is, is what's going to make it be, okay, this is something that's regular for regular people now. You know, most people can accept it. And as for why I don't have it right now, A, there's no place for me to test it out. Like, it could be the greatest thing in the world right now, but there's nowhere for me to try VR. I have to buy the full setup of 400 to $600 to do it. Like, there was that one time that I went to Best Buy and they had it there, but there was a line of like 10 people waiting. I'm like, well, I don't have all day, so I can't do it. But there's nowhere, there's nowhere for me, a normal person, to just go to like a kiosk and go, bloop, okay, a little 15-minute timer starts up, and you just do something in it. So that's uh-huh. why I don't have it. That's my initial thoughts on where VR is right now. What about you? I'm mostly in the same boat. When it started to take off again, you know, and the PlayStation VR was announced, Oculus was coming out with the big dogs. You had the, and then the, was it the Vive? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
and those were all coming around. I was like, oh, this is cool. You know, we're making another big push for VR. I, I started to get really excited, especially mm-hmm. when I heard the PlayStation VR because I said, well, that takes away half the cost because you're going to attach it to the PlayStation instead yep. of having to get a big old gaming rig that costs a fortune, which coincidentally, I have a decent one, which could probably do most VR, but whatever. Mm-hmm. I, at the time, I didn't. So it wasn't in my head. And then the bigger ones were like, oh, yeah, you got to set up the cameras. You're going to need a room that's basically square shape if possible da 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 and that was it that was the game over for me Mm -hmm. i'm like i don't have a room i can dedicate to no vr i don't have space for that kind of shenanigans right now yeah that's okay out the window it went and then i still held hope i said maybe i'll get on the playstation vr because i can still Mm -hmm. plug that in and play but then it came out and well, like you said, the games, they're interesting. They're way beyond what it used to be. They're to the point where, like, some of them are cool looking and I want to yeah. play them, but they're not to the point where I, oh, I go, oh my gosh, I have to, I have to play this. I have to try this. Yeah. So I feel like, like you said, it's in a middle ground right now where it's not a trivial gimmick or, you know, stupid toy, basically. Right. But I, I still don't feel like it's where it needs to be. And another problem that arose besides the cameras is the cords. You have all these cords and all the different podcasters and personalities out there who do get the free, uh, you know, VR headsets thrown at them like candy and have tried Mm. them all and played them all. They constantly complain about how much of a headache it is plugging it all in, getting it set up and messing around with it and then having to deconstruct it all, put it all back away just for a 20, 30 minute experience because that's what they tend to do. They say by the time you do a half hour to an hour tops in VR, you're out. You want to get out. And I think that, especially with something like the Vive, which had the whole room aspect, I think that was the one that they said, you know, you need a ton of space for this one. Mm-hmm. If you have cords going to your head, to each of your hands, to wherever else in the room, and you're like, you need that much space to move around in, I'm going to get caught up in that. I need to see where I'm stepping on and make sure I'm not tripping on the cords. If it's like a flight sim and I can sit in my chair and do it, then I'm fine with it because I still have cords, you know, to my headset or to my controller sometimes. But yeah, if it's something you gotta like need space for, you can't have those controllers just tying you down. Ha <laughs> ha. That's exactly it. You're right. It's not fun if you're supposed to be in an immersive experience mm. and you've got the controller cords, the cords from the headset, uh, you know, the different everything all over the place. Because the yeah. minute you step on one of those and it like tugs like your headset or tugs your controller, you're no longer in the game. Now yeah. you're going. Oh, oh goodness! Oh, Trying to do happening? it blind because you can't take the headset off because then that screws that up. Mm-hmm. And then everything's out of whack. The calibration goes off, so now you're standing there like a doofus trying to mm-hmm. recalibrate the controllers and the headset, everything else. Yeah. That that just doesn't sound like the fully immersive experience that I'm like I'm waiting for. Mm-hmm. And obviously, it has to start somewhere. So a lot of individuals are like, well, if you don't get in now, you know, they're not the 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 monetary value is not there. Therefore, the the money going in to make it better and improve won't That's come, fair. and then you won't get to where you want to be. And yeah, it is. It's fair, but at the same time, me and you were regular Joes. Yeah, you yeah. Know, we we don't have. We're not Mister Moneybags. We don't. Mm-hmm. We're not on the forefront of this. So I'm like, you know what? <laughs> hey, you got more money than I do. You support it, so uh-huh. I can get it later <laughs> when it's worked itself out. Exactly. Thank you yeah. very much. But what would you think of like a a wireless headset, Matt? Would that change it for you? Like if it was just a on your head and no controllers that are wired or anything, they're just wi- wireless controllers. 
I think that would definitely do. That would definitely help at least because then I don't feel like I'm tethered to a bunch of stuff. I'd have it'd have to have like a charging dock so I know it was charged all the time. But that would make it a lot. I mean, obviously for me, it would still depend on the price on the price point. But wireless is always better than a bunch of wires everywhere. Especially like we were talking about, if it's a room sized thing, you got to move around. That's a hundred percent more enticing than corded up everywhere. Well, and the reason I mention that is because the Oculus Quest is coming out here shortly, and that's got just the headset, and it's got wireless controllers, and they've got like a 60-gigabyte version, and then a 128-gigabyte version or something like that. One's priced at like $399, the other's priced at like $499, something in that range. Mm -hmm. So is the memory in the headset itself then? it's all in the headset itself. It's not connected to a computer or anything. Now, it does take a hit, obviously, in the sense that, obviously, since it has its own processing unit and everything inside the headset, right. it's not going to be able to play some of the more graphically demanding games without taking a huge hit. But at the same time, it's closer to what we dream of in VR, yeah. which is you pop the headset on, and there you go, man. You're flying and going. That See, that, it being a self-contained unit not hooked up to anything, wirelessly mm-hmm. or not, even puts it up another step, in my opinion, because, you know... Who knows what could happen with your PS4 or your computer or your Xbox or whatever it is. Having another thing to have to sync up to and drive content to it is just another thing that could possibly fail. If it's just this, boop, and it's just on my head, and that's all I have to worry about is not breaking this thing. And, you know, it. it that's why I like consoles, because it's a self-contained thing. It It can go, you know, from this minimum to the maximum, and I don't have to worry about, well, another game's going to come through for this that I can't play unless I upgrade this. And, I mean, unless they come out with some swapping out parts or cards, you know, but whatever. That's why I don't like PC gaming. So Uh if I can buy a self-contained unit that works on its own and has its own thing and it's like a console for my face, I will like that 100% better. Yes, and, and I agree with that. The, the the problem is is the graphics right now with that that right. unit because obviously being self contained on your head awesome but it can only do so much yeah. and like I told you one of my main problems right now is how the games look in VR they're still mm. at that point where they're they're cool they're neat but I'm waiting for that epic moment where when you step into a game it's got the graphical power that your console games have or your high-end pc games have and you're looking at these lush environments that are just fully fledged out whereas right now most of your games that you play in vr are still the old 32-bit polygonal action adventure type stuff maybe a little bit better than that you know maybe Mm. 64 bit or whatever but they're generally pretty rough around the edges and then they play with that by using this fun you know gimmicky games and i that's a it sounds like a bad word but i don't mean it that way like yeah. beat saber awesome mm-hmm. stuff but a lot of it's still that kind of yeah, i'll play for 20 minutes and i'm done you know i can't justify that huge price tag for these small experiences like that yeah and that's fair i, I get what you mean because it would be awesome just pop it on and you're in i'm like in yakuza zero or the latest whatever kind of game i'm in red dead redemption 2 just in that beautiful world but for me, I think I would like – you know how I am. I'm the indie games guy. I like the weird stuff. I, I would like VR stuff to be more – not gimmicky, but like imaginative and just like uh, – how, how can I explain it? Like not photorealistic, but like stylish and cool and stylized. I would love stuff like that where you 
you know, you're making use of the limitations of that thing to make something really outlandish that you would never see in real life. So you could uh-huh. be in that weird world, and maybe it doesn't look, you know, like I'm looking at the back of my hand right now, but it's so stylized and cool and interesting, and maybe there's, you know, little types of creatures or aliens or whatever that all look totally unique to that style. I feel like that could you could still do a lot of really, really cool stuff with a limited, you know, graphic set like that mm-hmm. and what's really cool too with that the newer headset that they're coming out with i mean they've done it before but they're starting to get really cool with it, and they're putting multiple cameras like the quest for example is going to have four cameras on the the uh, the headset itself mm-hmm. so that gets rid of the problem like i said earlier where they were sticking cameras around the room doing all sorts yeah. of nonsense this just has it right on it there's another one that has like the uh it's the oculus rift s i believe has five cameras attached to it Mm-hmm. So that way it's taking imagery from all around you and then your sides as well. So that way it can track in front, on side. There's still an issue, obviously, behind you that right. they haven't figured out yet. But it does have the um, the accelerants in or whatever in the controllers. So like if you whip your hand back. Yeah. yeah, there you go. It still will whip it back and it can gauge based off how fast you're going where it would be. And as long as you get it back in front of you quickly, it still stays on track with everything. So, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's really neat. And I agree with you that not every game would have to be super lush and crazy. Yeah. By just taking, I was when you were saying all that, it reminded me. I was like, you know, what if it could, which it can, obviously take your like real world room, mm-hmm. and then start to play with it. So, like you said, add things to the room, yeah, and then add like Tetris blocks falling and tumbling, and you could like move around and grab them from the air and manipulate them, and then mm-hmm. build structures. Just fun things like that would be neat too. Or what about something like you know maybe it's a it's a game that takes place in this weird world or dimension or something. But what if it starts in your room? Maybe it's like you get like that kind of like tense atmosphere at the beginning of like you're you're in your room, you're playing the game. But you don't like know what to expect yet, and maybe you start seeing like little cracks opening in your walls, or like things kind of on your periphery bouncing around, and you look and they dart away, mm-hmm. and then eventually your room rips apart, or you go through something, you know, a little portal that opens up into this other world. I would like stuff like, you know, I mean, obviously we've all seen like AR type of gaming with cameras and stuff, f- you know, for a while now, but something that actually took advantage of what the cameras see of your room to make it like really immersive of what you're doing. That would be pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. And then I was thinking, you know, going on that and then just progressing this forward a little bit, since we're kind of already dipping into where we'd like it to go mm-hmm. to the point where we would actually purchase it. You know, you've, you've seen tons of the movies. We've seen the different anime, you know, you've seen just in your head what you think would work. The key to getting everything to work, I think would be movement. You know, yeah. Ready Player One did the omnidirectional pads, which they've actually dabbled with those in real life. Mm-hmm. There are some yeah. that function. They're not as cool, obviously, or work nearly as well as the one in the movie. Right, right. But they work. There is the uh, idea of just tracking with cameras your legs and then calibrating your, your steps and your, your mm-hmm. gait, your walk or whatever. And then that way when you're walking in place in the game, oh, it, okay, could, yeah. it could say, okay, well, his step is typically this length so therefore by my walking the game would just adjust for every fake step i take and then take the steps in the game appropriately That'd be cool. so therefore you would in place just be standing and walking and running and in game you'd actually be moving problem with that of course then comes if you start to get tricked and then you'd start moving for real and then all of a sudden you're actually whapping the wall or doing something stupid so you'd have right. to have some kind of uh ring like the old school 
uh, VR headsets did. You have to have some kind of ring. So if you did yeah. make that mistake, you'd just bump into the ring. And then you'd mm. be like, oh, stop it, dummy. And then you'd be okay uh-huh. again. Unfortunately, that would take you out of the experience a little bit. But I don't but know. But at the same time, if you're just walking in place, that kind of takes you out of the experience as it is. That's true. I think that would be the best way to do it, though. Because if you just, like, oh, man, jump scare. And now I'm going to run. And you feel like you have to run. You just, oh, ring. Okay. Yeah. okay. Just run in place real quick. Yeah. So what I'm getting at is for me, I would like to see, obviously, an update in graphics. I would love to see mm-hmm. uh, an access to the cloud, which is where we're moving anyway. So that yeah. way you can use powerful computers that are designed to handle VR and VR mm-hmm. games, and you do it through the cloud, which is, of course, on your head, wireless, because naturally that's where we have to go. Yeah. Cannot be wires attached all over the place. That's just a no-go for me, period. Mm-hmm. So powerful gaming through cloud-based services, but which would require great internet, da-da-da-da. We all know the issues all over the world with that right now. Right. But this is, all, of course, all theory. And then some sort of foot movement that allows you to move around without actually hurting or damaging or doing anything. So in the game, it's realistic, which mm-hmm. I feel like the omnidirectional, the foot thingy is cool and it sounds great, but I just don't see it being practical because the no. price of such a machine is ridiculous. Because then, if you had that machine, but you had a cheap headset, well, now you've, you're back into the prohibitively expensive market. Yeah, the headsets are pretty cheap, but you got to get this big thing if you want to walk around in Red Dead. treadmill. <laughs> you got to get an omnidirectional horse mount to play Red Dead Redemption Two, right? You know. Yeah, exactly. And you know, and we've seen like, uh, and I always bring this up at work: the the online anime Sword Art Online. Mm-hmm. Where they you lay down on a bed, you put on the headset, and then it like puts you into like a sleep state, uh-huh. and then u- utilizes your nerves. And this, and this, this is not this how is you crazy. described this it before. It said put you into a coma is what you said. <laughs> that is not happening. No, no way. <laughs> but something, and this gets more into sci-fi. It's not possible, yeah, yeah. but it's stuff that would take a lot longer. So mm-hmm. I won't tread too much there. But basically, the huge issue is movement. Yeah. I don't like the fact that you still have to do the fake moving with the controller sticks and and mm. that. I mean, that's okay, but you can't. I don't feel you'll ever be in a game to the point where I want to be until you can move with your own feet or mm. or feel like you're moving with your own feet in a in a VR game. Yes, and I think you you said it right there. The having to move the controllers, having to have controllers. I think that's another thing too, because you know I see people playing VR and you know they have to look down. And they're holding, you know, they're always holding a thing, or they just have like a weird empty hand that they swipe at. When you mm-hmm. push a button, it like closes, opens and closes like Pac Man. I think you have to. Where I would like to see it go is full on Minority Report gloves. Maybe you know this is. Your you know your trigger button is actually cocking yeah. your finger and doing a trigger motion. Picking something up is opening and closing your hand, not holding a thing and hitting the B button for B action hand grip. grab and uh-huh. A over here for left hand grab. Something like that, because then that would I mean A it would put you more into the game. And then if you have that, why couldn't you have like some little some little sock things you like put on your feet, and then that measures how you're walking around, you know and. and could translate into, you know, baby steps or walking in place, and then you could turn your feet if you want to go that way. And since it's all a self-contained unit with no wires, you can you can turn yourself in a circle just like you would in the game and then just, you know, step in place for going that way. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that would work. I mean, obviously, you'd have to design something around the feet like that. Right. I was thinking. I was thinking too. The ring, you know, that you would control where you're at to make sure you just didn't wander off like a crazy person. Mm-hmm. You could put cameras in the ring itself, which would, of course, monitor the feet, and then you could have cameras going up, and all this could be sending data back to the the headset itself mm-hmm. on exactly where you are and how you're moving. So that way, it would get a full view, 360 view of your body, literally, yeah. and could put you in the game as such and move you as such based off how you're doing. So then you could start to do the animations with your hands, like say you're holding a gun or a sword, and it would mimic your body. So when you're swinging, it's just doing whatever you're doing Mm -hmm. there inside that ring. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, even just going off the basis of a ring, as far as turning around, you could have just a camera on the bottom of the unit that sees the different segments of the ring. Mm -hmm. Oh, he moved from... A to B, that means he's turning this many degrees. Just, mm-hmm. I think I feel like that, even just without anything else, would be super easy to do. Have some kind of, it wouldn't even need to be attached or powered to anything. Just no. a ring with special tape or whatever along the top that your camera sees as you rotate around. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's the problem of rotation right there. Once you go wires free, because if you spin yourself in a circle and you're all tied up, that's no good. No, but that would solve it. So yeah. honestly, I mean... It, the price would probably still come to play. Yeah. But I think that would be the least expensive way to get yourself in a fully immersive setup. Oh, yeah. If you brought something out that. And then, of course, space-wise, I don't think that'd be too big of an issue. I feel like it would be a lightweight contraption because it's just a ring with yeah. a nice base set up, and then you get inside of it with the headset. So mm. you could tuck it into a corner or in a big closet if you got one whenever you're not playing it and wouldn't be like a whole room affair and it'll allow you to get a full 360 immersive experience in vr then of course once again like we said if we got it hooked up to the cloud you're getting mm-hmm. the high graphical power which will allow the games to get more realistic or more in depth all yeah. that. so there you go we did it we, we did we did, it, we did it again we you're did welcome. it again without any real work or doing anything that actually means science <laughs> i don't have any i don't have any show notes written on that or anything we just brainstormed that Boom, like Just nothing. Just like that. Man, God bless. So basically, to cap it up, you're not going to get on board until there's something way deeper like what we just talked about. Yeah. And I'm not. For me, both of those things have to happen, the movement and the graphical power. And for you, you just said mostly the, the movement and the experience. Well, I mean, I feel like since since I went on the tangent about the gloves, I think maybe that would just be enough. Like if I, you know, had like two power gloves on my hands and I could actively, you know, feel like I'm, my hands are really there in the world instead of I'm gripping two controllers, but I see hands doing stuff. Like if you can actually pick apart and move and like swipe things, I I feel like with a price reduction, even if it's wired up, I would still do that. I'd sit on my couch and, and minority report my way around. Hmm. Well, there you go. You might be closer to getting a place in VR than me because I feel like it's going to take them a little bit longer to decide whether or not full movement is going to be where they want to go. I feel Mm. like it's going to be actually quite a few years. I think they're going to try to nail the actual base experience before they move Mm. on, but they might come out with you know alternate controllers way sooner than any of the other business. So you might see Mad Cats. Oh, yeah, they'll come out with a... Well, I actually just I watched a whole history of like the power glove and like the the way they set that up. I mean, it it sounds like spa- almost space age now, but they did it in the eighties. Just do that again. They have like 
a patented thing that measures how much your fingers bend and how they move. That was in that was in the that was in the freaking eighties, and we don't have it now. It's not uh-huh. it's not here. Well, but, we'll I, but I will it. say one other thing I want for a VR headset, especially if it's a self-contained, push a button to just flip the visor up and it automatically pauses the game. I would like that. Like I don't know how well pause functionality works, but if I can just have it on and then oh man, I need to go use the restroom. Flip up, pause the game, walk over, do it. And then then, flip back down, you're back in. Yeah. Instead of, oh, hang on. Whole thing off. Put the controllers down. Go Recalibrate straps. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Yeah, yeah. If it's just flip. Okay. Now I can do whatever emergency thing I need to do in the real world. Hopefully not emergency, but you know what I mean. Yeah. I know what you mean. I need a sip of water. I don't know where it is because I'm turned around. Bloop. Mm -hmm. Got it. Perfect. Well, hopefully it comes to pass soon. I doubt it, but maybe, maybe, Matt. I think <laughs> I think it's a couple waves away. So, of course, everybody, what the heck do you think? Are you already on board? Are you guys out there playing the VR as it stands at this moment? Are you going to be on pretty soon? Are you going to wait for the super future where you can just lay down and go into an immersive world and never return? <laughs> I want to know. I'm curious. I want to. good. <laughs> I just want to hear where everybody's at in the in the situation with VR, since I don't feel like it's going away this time. I want to. I want to mm-hmm. see what everybody thinks about it. So let us know. Send us back feedback. All them sweet little nothings. And for details on how to send us that feedback, you have to catch us in the Imposters Wrap Up. Imposters Wrap Up. So yes, send us all your feedback, any questions, any comments, any concerns. If you just want to say hi, let us know via email at info at thirdshift.me. Tweet it at us at thirdshiftme, and find us on Facebook under Third Shift. Indeed, you better go find us over there. You also should take a look at the wonderful Patreon, where we have a beautiful little tip jar set up for you can give us $1, $5, $1,000, whatever you think we deserve for doing such a wonderful job. And if you say, yeah, you don't deserve none of my money, that's okay. We understand. It makes us sad, but we get it. You can, however, go give us a high five on the Facebooks, old Twitter little likes on the Twitter feeds. Mailbag questions, comments, all that good stuff. Any and all things involving this show and our other shows, greatly appreciated. It keeps us motivated and rocking and rolling. Absolutely. And of course, this podcast drops every two weeks on Tuesday, so we'll be back in your ear holes on the 14th of May for our very next episode. You can find that episode on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Podbean, on Spotify, and on YouTube. And as I always say, if you like what we're doing, you'd like to help us out, please give us a like, a rating, a review, a comment, a subscription, any kind of good thing on any one of those good services, because it does help us out. We really do appreciate it. Hey, what we also appreciate is you watching us live at twitch.tv slash thirdshiftme. Check us out. We're playing weird games all the time. We might even be streaming a podcast by the time you're hearing this. Who knows? And I didn't get to mention it in the intro, but this is episode 52. That means we've been doing IG2G for two full Ooh, years, my man. We did Happy it. anniversary to us. Happy poo, anniversary. Poo, poo. It's amazing. God, how time flies. Oh, we're wild. old people. <laughs> it, it seems like, well, I mean, I guess it seems like we've been doing IG2G forever, but it still seems like the new baby, like the mm-hmm. shiny new... Yeah, sure does. But nope, she's two years old. She's ancient at this point. She's wandering around. She's going to be yelling at us pretty soon. I don't know what babies do. I don't. <laughs> You're close enough. It works. That's Goodness fine. gracious. And while we're speaking about babies, why don't you get out there and give us some sweet little five-star babies, all right? Because we need them. And what are you talking about? What am I talking about? Talking about them five-star ratings, those little sweet nuggets, because we want them. We want them. 
want those little five-star babies. Matt wants you on Twitch. I want a five-star rating on that iTunes because it go. feeds my soul, everybody. It feeds it. It feeds it. And until we're fed, there's nothing else to say but... Do not don't forget, forget to, to save. save.